Hello, and welcome to the Best You Podcast today. Today, we are very, very fortunate to be talking to our good friend, Dr. Mary Piccioni. Uh, Dr. Piccioni is located here in Tucson, Arizona. She is a registered dietitian. Uh, she has multiple credentials in health and nutrition management. And today, we're going to be talking about a lot of topics, really, that cover diet and exercise, uh, the problem with fad diets, and what are the proper vitamins to be uh, receiving and uh, trying to get through the foods we eat. And uh, we had a stimulating conversation. We taped it down here at La Posada uh, at the campus, and we hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, Dr. Mary Piccioni. It's so good to see you again. Good to see you too, Steve. I know. We haven't seen each other in a bit. Um, I know you've been busy. I know you've been busy too here on campus and up in in Tucson. Right. Um, But we're so happy to have uh, Dr. Mary Piccioni with us today. Um, And we're going to be touching upon lots of nutritional topics, hopefully. Um, And you you have such a rich background in uh, in nutrition. Um, I can't possibly read all of your credentials, I don't think. But um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you kind of came into what you're doing now? Um, I'm a native Tucsonan. I was born and raised in Tucson, and I've been a nutritionist now for almost 40 years. Um, And I was never interested in nutrition. My father was a pharmacist. He wanted all of us to go into pharmacy. (laughs) So we had all of these books around the house about you and pharmacy, and none of us were interested in that. But what really got me interested in nutrition is that my father introduced me to to my who would turn out to be my mentor for 38 years and within 10 minutes I knew what I was going to be doing really so it took that one person to just give me that passion or trigger that that passion about nutrition and it wasn't all about diet it was looking at for overt nutrient based lesions and Mm -hmm. taking the blood work and seeing how that uh, how that links to what a person's been eating that that sort of thing it was just um, I was just amazed wow. with that. So that's how I got started in nutrition. I have all three degrees from the University of Arizona, mm-hmm. including a PhD, and I did my internship in Chicago at Rush. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, mm-hmm. St. Luke's. Back in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep, back in '78 when they had all that snow, <laughs> and I had never seen snow before. So. Oh, really? <laughs> not an Arizona girl. So was, you know. <laughs> I was Arizona, and so it, the first day was great. The second day on was terrible. <laughs> Oh so I'm goodness. sure some of your listeners can understand <laughs> well, what I'm talking about. I, w- I was in Buffalo in 1978, Ooh, right around oh the 77 gosh. blizzard, and then the 78 uh-huh. aftermath. So it, yeah, I, I, I hear you. I know so you know what happened. I, I know what happened, <laughs> definitely. So anyway, that's what what uh, that's my background. My father was a pharmacist and a, a pharmacologist at the University of Arizona. He started the Poison and Drug Information Center. So I've always been interested, not necessarily in nutrition, but in the human condition. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I, I have a general practice in Tucson and Green Valley, and but I really specialize in diabetes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a diabetes educator, and I work a lot with cancer patients. Oh. And it's more than diet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's making sure that they're getting all of the nutrients that they need to have. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we can't get it through diet. Sometimes we have to supplement, mm-hmm. which brings up the important part about vitamin D. Mm-hmm. That's I, I think that was one thing we were talking about earlier. Yeah, vitamin right. D. And, and vitamin D and almost all of my patients, uh, their physicians now are testing for vitamin D. 
The, the test is called vitamin D25OH. Mm -hmm. That's the test to have. Um, and surprisingly, uh, a lot of people in southern Arizona are deficient, uh, severely deficient. Yeah, and you would think, you know, I, I know there's that misnomer. Well, there's so much sun, and, you know, that's one way to get vitamin D. We, right. we would be loaded with it, but we're not. Vitamin D is the sunshine vitamin. Yeah, the sunshine that's, vitamin. <laughs> you know, if we're out for, uh, what is it, 15 minutes in the middle of the day, the, the UV rays hit our skin, and it starts metabolizing and ends up metabolizing in our kidneys, mm -hmm. the active Oh. Uh, vitamin D. But if we're told to use sunscreen when we're out hiking, which I used to be a hiker, uh -huh. and put gobs of sunscreen on, then you're not going to get the vitamin D. Uh -huh. And vitamin D is important for calcium, uh, calcium absorption. Uh -huh. uh, and if we don't have good calcium absorption, then we may develop the brittle bone syndrome mm -hmm. or a problem called osteopenia or osteoporosis. Mm -hmm. So I can only recommend anybody who's listening to this pod, make sure you know what your vitamin D level is. Mm -hmm. Tell, ask your doctor to do that. Um, the, and sometimes you, you have to ask. Sometimes you have to ask. Because they won't just run it. Although I'm finding more doctors down here in Green Valley oh. running it. Oh, okay. um, but always ask the doctor, what, what is my vitamin D level? Okay. We also know through evidence-based research that a low, you can, you can have a deficiency of vitamin D or an insufficiency of vitamin D. Normal vitamin D is 30 or over in mm. a blood test. Okay. But a deficiency is 0 to 18. 18 to 29 is an insufficiency. Mm -hmm. And when I had mine done the first time, it was a nine. Oh. So it was a true deficiency. Mm, true deficiency. Uh, and only supplementation can really help. Okay. D3 is the supplement that's absorbed the best. Mm -hmm. D2 has to be taken in mega doses. Mm -hmm. And that isn't always effective. I find it more effective with vitamin D3. Okay. And that's over the counter. And that you can just look for that in a pharmacy or a, mm -hmm. a Walgreens mm -hmm. kind of place. Yeah, always make sure that you that the person talk to the doctor first or mm -hmm. a nutritionist. You never want to go over ten thousand international units. That's toxicity. Yeah, yeah. And what happens when you get toxic? Well, then your <laughs> serum calcium levels may go up. Uh, and when they go up past 11, that can be life-threatening. Oh, okay. You'll notice diarrhea and nausea and vomiting and all of those kind of things with, with too much uh, calcium in our blood. Wow. Yeah, it's... it's um it's one of those things that I think people hear about, but I don't, I don't know that everyone really understands the importance of that particular um, vitamin or that, that nutrient. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not, it's not entirely easy to get it uh, through natural sources. Uh, good point. No, it's not. Usually yeah. you will find it in egg yolks. Mm -hmm. Okay, and we've all been told to watch out for yeah, that, eggs, although <laughs> that's changing right now. Yeah, I know. That so could you, be a whole show. You know, eggs good, oh, are they bad, are they good, are they bad? That's right. Well, I'll kind of sum it up for <laughs> yeah, you. But, okay. Um, but vitamin D is normally found in anything that's fortified. Uh, okay. For instance, like a gallon of milk, you'll okay. see it's fortified with vitamin D. Mm -hmm. um, but that's just about it. Uh, you know, some fish with very soft bones, that'll give you some vitamin D. Uh, and, but that's about it. Okay. You have to get it. If your vitamin D is very, very low, you have to supplement that. Okay. So what, what's the deal with the eggs? 
Well, (laughs) today. (laughs) Yeah, ever since I started out as a nutritionist back in the 70s, eggs were always the bad guy. Uh And in the context of uh, uh, coronary artery disease, we have to understand that a lot of the studies on nutrition, especially like cholesterol, are not cause and effect. Mm -hmm. It's just simply we're unable to do a cause and effect relationship with nutrients Mm -hmm. Uh, it's really really difficult so it's more association it's it's more correlation oh so we know that the egg yolk is pure cholesterol we know Mm -hmm. that cholesterol when it goes high in your body can actually cause the the um, accumulation of plaque in the arteries the coronary arteries Mm -hmm. the the uh, brain arteries the leg arteries Um, it can it can do that but there's no cause and effect. We can only see association. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing right now, we're not certainly telling people eat as many eggs as you want. Mm-hmm. But for people who are not diabetic um, and who do not have coronary artery disease, you can certainly eat more than three eggs a week. Mm-hmm. That was our original goal. Okay. No more than three eggs a week. Anyone who's diabetic has a twofold increase for a heart attack. Mm. So we're still yeah. watching out for eggs, no more than than three yolks a week. Okay. But the whites are great. I mean, they're all protein, pure uh-huh. protein. Yeah. But it's the yolk that is the cholesterol. Or another name for cholesterol is animal fat. Uh-huh. And with all the, uh, you know, the, that brings up a, the egg kind of issue is a, is a nice kind of lead into there's there's so many um things out there floating around and now with the internet you know you can pull up anything um and i could probably find three articles four eggs and three articles against like right now if i if i searched it um and one of the things i was thinking about uh, as we were kind of preparing for today was a lot of the information out there floating around especially online um and i know with my kids you know they'll pull up things and uh, especially about diet or weight loss um and what strikes me is that because you can put just about anything online and, and get it around to who knows how many people, there seems to be this tendency to kind of leapfrog between, well, now this is the crazy diet and this is the, this is the fad diet. And well, if I, if I only drink, you know, this kind of juice, I'm going to lose 30 pounds. And, I, and the thing that kind of concerns at least myself is that people aren't stopping to think, well, what is the evidence behind um, you know, when we say diet, it has that connotation of you're going on something rather than a diet is just what you, what you take and what you, what you eat. Like my diet is what I'm consuming and how I, how I live. Right, right. And I, I wonder, like, what are your thoughts on those types of things that are out there and, if, you know, what people should kind of be looking for? I, I know when I talk to my doctor, he talks a lot about the Mediterranean diet just as a guideline for how to eat. But mm-hmm. um, I thought it'd be interesting just to chat about you know, those kinds of topics. Yeah, unfortunately, and I was reading this article the other day, and I, I couldn't have put it better that people, and, and including my patients, believe more of uh, the um, uh, people who are out there like Kardashians. And yeah. You, you know <laughs> yeah. who I'm talking about. Yeah, Kim says to drink apricot juice, so therefore everyone yeah. should drink apricot juice. Yeah, or the raw diet, uh-huh. or, you know, that type of thing. And, and unfortunately, that gets the press, and evidence-based is not <laughs> right yeah. so anytime that comes up there, there are a couple of references that people can always go to there's one and even though I don't like the name but it's great it's called nutrition for dummies oh okay that's a very good book 
uh, Nutrition for Dummies. And then there's a website that I've told a lot of folks at La Posada about called Science Daily. Oh, great. And that's a great, that's a peer-reviewed um, uh, website that you can go and see what the latest information is. Well, we'll make sure we that. put all the links down below. Yeah, Science Daily. That's, okay. that's extremely good. Or you could, you know, pick up a phone and call a nutritionist. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm Such certainly available. <laughs> yeah, I'm certainly available if, you know, before a person actually goes on a diet mm -hmm. to give me a call and I can kind of guide them mm -hmm. for that. Uh, remember, there's... You know, we do call it diet. Right now we're calling it dietary patterns. Mm -hmm. That came out of the 2015 uh, dietary guidelines. Okay. That we're calling it dietary patterns, which gives it more of a sense of health when you, when you call it a dietary pattern. pattern. Because you're looking at portions, you're looking at variability. Mm -hmm. In other words, people don't eat fish every single day, right. but they'll mix it up with other types of proteins, even vegetarian proteins. Mm -hmm. That's what the dietary guidelines are pushing now, okay. are, are those good dietary patterns, not eating the same thing every single day. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, those two books I would really recommend, okay. or the, the, the website and the book okay. for people, or to give me a call yeah. if they have any questions about it. Yeah, the, um, the, the frustration I think that, that folks have is just where to find good information. Right. And it's so readily right. kind of pushed at us that uh, it's, really, it's really hard to know who's, and people on television and who's speaking. And mm -hmm. um, I'm always a little leery of, you know, when people are pushing a lot of supplements in terms of like which berries uh you know to eat and and you know reserve it all and all those types of things that i'm always curious about the evidence behind it to see right. you know really is it backed right. up by anything or is it the red light is always when you hear the word superfood yeah i think that's coming out with beets right now oh, okay uh superfood or this is the ideal food there's not one food item that's going to solve all of our nutritional problems. Right. There isn't. What is going to be is the dietary pattern, mm -hmm. the variability in what we're eating. That's the good part about it. And really the Mediter Mediterranean diet comes the closest to that. That's kind of what I was thinking. Is it what, mm -hmm. The way it was explained to me is when you're eating that type of variety, um, it's... It, it's interesting because it's uh, the way I was understanding it was it's the way that the different foods interact with each other that form almost sometimes unique compounds. So mm -hmm. it's spinach with something else that forms um, kind of the healthful benefit. So when you're mixing, you know, leafy greens and, um, you know, fruits and uh, those sorts of things all together, um, you want to eat these kind of, you know, when they say eat the rainbow, you want to eat these things in combination is that is mm -hmm. that true? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, we have the antioxidants, mm -hmm. which are part of the vitamins and some of the minerals. And we have the phyto, uh, phytochemicals. What are those, those? Those are also antioxidants as well. But it all goes back to eat a, a varied colored diet. Mm -hmm. You know, the beautiful colored vegetables and fruit. They will give you a lot of phytochemicals, mm -hmm. which are really important for prevention of disease. So just eating, instead of eating a, you know... Um, I, I'm Italian, so instead of eating spaghetti every <laughs> single day, vary that with all the other starches uh -huh. instead of pasta all the time or different types of pastas mm -hmm. that would work. When it comes down to supplements, we have to be really careful. A lot of us do not need a multiple vitamin supplement. Mm -hmm. And I say that if, if uh, an individual is 
on very few medications mm -hmm. or no medications at all, if they have not been ill, if they have not, if they don't have a chronic disease, and they're just really healthy, they probably don't need a vitamin mineral supplement. Yeah, and we had another, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that, that was a study, speaker, yeah. that was a study that was done about three years ago. Mm -hmm. But when you're running into vitamin D issues, you do need that. That one, you, yeah. That's, that's an absolute. Yeah, one of our earlier guests as well kind of spoke about the same thing that, you know, if you, if you were eating a well-rounded meal and you don't have anything particular like a vitamin D deficiency or something you're physician or your practitioner really singles out as you're your deficient in a particular mineral or nutrient right. that you might need something for, you'd be better off, you know, having a piece of salmon with a nice salad and a glass of red wine than buying, you know, omega-3 supplements. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not here to slam omega-3 supplements. I'm just, that's one of the things that kind of came up. Well, I think there was a study that came out about three years ago that from men past 60, taking a fairly large amount of omega-3s could potentially cause uh, prostate cancer mm. or, or start the prostate cancer ball rolling. So even though it's a nutritional supplement or anything, it doesn't mean it's always going to help us. Right. And that's where a nutritionist can really come in. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I wish we had a, a center like the Poison and Drug Information Center where people could just call in right. and get advice over the phone. But well, nutritionists don't have that. <laughs> we don't have a nutritional call I know. center. We, do we don't. <laughs> yeah, we need one. We don't. Maybe that should but, be our next project. Well... <laughs> I'll help you. Yeah, that'd be neat. <laughs> uh, you can always find a nutritionist at the different hospitals. They're always there, including Green Valley uh, has a nutritionist over there, a mm -hmm. dietitian. Um, and just leaving a note and asking them if what their viewpoint is on this. That would help out tremendously instead of just reading the newspaper. Right. And I was um, uh, talking to um, a physician friend of mine who who was relating that, um, I, I don't know how much work you do with physicians, but he was relating that in medical school, they're really, he wasn't really taught about the nutritional component um, right. in medicine. It's very, well, you know, in terms of Western medicine, it's, it's kind of prescribed treat, or if you're a surgeon, it's cut. Right. Um, but right. um, the nutritional component in the educational about how important it is for overall health, um, at least in his case, seemed to be really lacking. Uh, in medical school. And I'm not sure if you run into that when you're, you know, with physicians reaching out. I'm not sure if... Uh... Um, you know, when I started back in the 70s, the education for physicians was very poor. Mm -hmm. I mean, nutrition was not a prerequisite. It was an extra that you could take yeah. if you wanted that. Now I'm finding with all the physicians that I work with, they're pretty interested in nutrition. And they really want to make sure that if there's any, if they, if they're, they have a patient with chronic disease, mm -hmm. what can we do to help them manage that chronic disease? And a good example is diabetes. Mm -hmm. Okay, nutritionists have really excelled when it comes to helping somebody with diabetes and bringing their A1Cs down and even getting them off medication wow. in some cases. Just with nutrition? So, just with nutrition. It's amazing yeah. if you're just eating right, everything that can, can benefit from that. And it's amazing if you're not eating right, what can happen <laughs> when you get older. That's true. You know, we see a lot of pre-diabetes. Um, in the 50, 60, and 70-year-old range, pre-diabetes. Mm -hmm. There are more pre-diabetics than diabetics in our country. And what's, what, how would you explain a pre, someone who's pre-diabetic? What well, does that look do like? Do you remember when they used to call it borderline? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and one of the nurses I used to work with said being borderline diabetic is like being borderline pregnant. 
<laughs> you are or you aren't, right? right? Um, but now they call it prediabetes. And the reason why is that they have numbers they can stick on this. Okay. They, they have blood work that they can define, where in prediabetes they didn't. Oh, okay. And it all centers around fasting blood sugars and A1C, mm-hmm. which is a three-month average. Okay. So a normal A1C is 5.6 or below, which corresponds to a normal fasting blood sugar Mm -hmm. but when it starts creeping up to 5.7 to 6.4 that's pre-diabetes and you uh, a person who has that has a 50 percent chance of becoming type 2 diabetic oh and that's an a1c of 5.7 or above wow 50 percent 50 percent so what's what's the diet regimen what's the plan if you, you stumble let's say i come in and i have i'm pre uh what what would be my my plan. How would we go about that? I'll tell it? you, I love working with anybody who has prediabetes yeah. because we can almost always cure that. Really? You can cure prediabetes. You cannot cure type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. Once you have it, you always have it. Yeah. Then you're just managing it. Then you're just, yeah, like a chronic disease. Okay. But prediabetes can actually be um, uh, changed to just a normal blood sugar, and that's all through diet and exercise. Really? Yeah. Wow, powerful yeah. stuff that just, it's there. It's, it's, it's yeah. uh, if you just reach out and, and try to do it. I, I know it's really difficult. It's, sometimes it sounds easier, especially, you know, when you're shopping. And um, they always say, to, you know, shop around the, the, uh, the periphery, you know, and don't, don't shop down the center aisles. Kind of st- well, <laughs> they always stick the fruits and vegetables down the middle. Yeah, we're all human. Uh, yeah. And we're all going to go down the middle of the grocery uh, right. store. And we're all going to treat ourselves. But, you know, when the latest information is coming out that if a person is pre-diabetic and they need to lose weight mm-hmm. to bring that blood sugar down, it's only 7% of their current weight that they have to lose. Wow. Okay? So if they're 200 pounds, 14 pounds of a loss may be able to get them out of prediabetes and cure that prediabetes. Wow. So and is there um, is there any benefit to genetic testing? Have we have you gotten into that at I all? I have not gotten into genetic testing. Mm-mm. Predisposition to certain things. I know that it seems yes. like there's pros and cons uh, to be told you're predisposed to something. Right. Mm-hmm. What we're looking not genetic testing but what's run in their family. Okay. So if you have folks that have had diabetes in the family, mm-hmm. you you've probably got a gene that is linking to that Mm -hmm. and again if you gain a lot of weight that'll put you more at risk for pre-diabetes or type 2 diabetes weight you know uh weight gain or you know obesity or being being um heavier than i guess you should be seems to be uh a, a cause i don't know if it's a cause but it seems to be related to a lot of things people go through either you know even with we were talking yep. to somebody about memory loss and mm-hmm. cognition and um you know brain development and functioning and mm-hmm. weight always seems to be tied to almost all of this it is it is and and i think that's what when i see a a, a client for weight loss they're not coming in to see me happy <laughs> You know, because they know they they think they're going to have to make big changes. But our goal is to help them enjoy the foods they like, but get seven percent of their body weight off, mm-hmm. uh, and that typically works. Unfortunately, Medicare does not cover pre-diabetes. Yeah, it covers once you become diabetic. Yeah. So that's the unfortunate part. We've, as diabetes educators, we've had a bill in Congress now for five years, and they've had yet to do yeah. anything about pre-diabetes in Medicare. Yeah. 
They seem a little preoccupied at the moment. I, I don't think they're going to so. get to it this year, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you don't think I need to send a letter to the president? <laughs> yeah, right? maybe maybe Donald will look at it. Yeah, um, right. yeah I, I wondered, um, you know, as we talk, uh, talk about those things, especially related to weight, um, I mean, I've had my own struggles, too, just, just trying to, you know, sometimes I'll balloon up and I'll feel, I'll just feel bad or, or unhealthy and I'll want to want to take a few pounds off. And I know that I'm not sure if this is still holds true. There's new evidence to this, but the, you know, especially in men, the, the weight you gain, especially around your abdomen um, internally. So that, those, uh, that fat kind of going in around your internal organs and whatnot. Um, Hard to get off, but also really unhealthy for you to, to kind of carry your weight. Well, there. that's for females too. And for females, okay. Right, right. It's predictive. Okay. So the more abdominal fat you have, the more risk you have for diabetes or mm-hmm. or heart disease. You know, they always use they they're using still the BMI, mm-hmm. and the BMI is simply height and weight. That is, that's all it is. It doesn't look at composition of your body. Right. But what it does do, it gives us an idea of the predictive factors okay. of your weight gain. So if you're in the overweight area of BMI and then you progress into the obesity part, mm-hmm. then your risk factor for diabetes goes up. Okay. Yeah, I know, and I know here at, uh, at La Posada with our uh, wellness program for our staff, BMI is part of the uh, it is part of the the outlook and right. something we always look at and try to track for people or, you know, if they want to track it themselves. Right, right. There, there's a great little if you go under NIH, okay, uh, BMI calculation. It, it's a little calculator, mm-hmm. and you can just put in your height and weight, and that'll give you your BMI with uh, an assessment of where you are located. Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah. we'll post that one too because that yep. that should be handy to have. Yeah. Was um, as people are, are you know we this this podcast is for everybody, but as people begin to age and um, you know beyond sixty, sixty five, seventy, is there any particular advice you would um, you know give to those folks that are kind of looking? You know, I know people have always kind of teased like my at a, my mother in law would say, you know, I want to enter, you know. My uh, my later years with a little cushion because if I want some reserves mm-hmm. and you know then she would have a piece of cake. So <laughs> um, I'm not saying, yeah. suggesting everyone does yeah. that, but is there any any kind of um, advice or uh, guidance you you would want to um, provide to folks to to kind of get them thinking about um, aging, or is it just kind of doing well all the time? Just just keep yourself. Well I, I think it's. Up. It's getting yourself ready for those mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. In other words, start it now. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody my age needs to be starting it now in order to get ready for the 80s mm-hmm. when I turn 80. Right. Um, so it, it, it's never too late, but it's always good to get a head start on this. Uh, when it comes to adding a little bit of padding, go back to that BMI again, mm-hmm. because for folks over 70, they're, they're padding that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So instead of... Uh, I, I think overweight for somebody my age would start at about 25 or 26. They're allowing that to be normal for folks over 60 and 70. Oh, okay. okay. So, yeah. Adjusted so there's, for age. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just because of what you just said about, you know, what your mother-in-law is, yeah. is thinking. So I would say just monitor your BMI. Mm-hmm. If it's starting to go up, then do something to bring that back down again. Mm-hmm. I use it a lot for folks, and I see this a lot in Green Valley, underweight 
especially mm -hmm. underweight ladies. Mm -hmm. And we use the BMI a lot for that to get them back up to a normal BMI. Yeah, and I, you know, for for myself, I just um, you know over the the many years working in skilled nursing homes or rehabilitation centers, it it, it I don't have evidence, but it seems um, if you're very underweight or you're very overweight, those two categories tend to have the most uh, issues, especially you know when you're when you're in that setting or you've fractured a hip or you need some rehabilitation. Yeah. It mm -hmm. seems to be the people that kind of just stay with where they need to be and kind of keep physically active and, and also a positive outlook and they always seem to have better results. Right. I, mean, I agree. Almost always. When you, when you go past plus or minus two standard deviations yeah. of the normal, uh -huh. which would be really underweight and really overweight, mm -hmm. something's going to happen. Yeah. There is going to be a chronic disease. Yeah. And they're even linking certain cancers to being overweight or obese. Oh, okay. Well, um, I think there's, you know, there's there's certainly a lot to, to touch on. Um, you know, the the guidance coming out now from from folks like yourself is definitely, I think, pushing people in a in a direction I think is is healthier. I, I it seems like we still have a long way to go. Especially, you know, we could we could probably have a whole show on school nutrition and kids and you know that sort of thing. But it mm -hmm. um, it's yeah. they don't make it easy for you out there. You know, with fast food and you know, things you things that people want to eat, and I'm, I'm well, not again, sure. Well, they've, they've modified a lot for uh -huh. fast food. There are some fast foods that are okay, uh -huh. but again, don't eat it every single day. Right, so okay. moderation. Yeah, moderation, mm -hmm. and make sure it tastes really good. I always tell my <laughs> patients that. Um, it, that has a lot to do with being satisfied with a very high-calorie food. Mm -hmm. It has to taste good. Yeah, it has to taste really good. <laughs> mm -hmm. I know a lot of fast food that tastes really good, but I just shouldn't eat it. <laughs> just but again treat yourself you know yeah. once a month is not going to be a problem right every day if you ever saw that movie supersize me yeah i did yeah, okay yeah. he ate a certain fast food three meals a day every day for a month mm -hmm. and in that period of time he gained a lot of body fat percentage in addition to blood pressure and blood sugar going up mm -hmm. uh, and cholesterol also went up so again remember dietary patterns mm -hmm. be variable don't eat the same thing every single day mm -hmm. yeah i know we, we kind of fall into a habit especially at breakfast time where we'll eat the same thing every day and we're trying to change it up um I think you just get into like that the same pattern, the same rut. What's easy right. in the morning. Yeah. yeah. I mean oatmeal's great, but I don't know that I can eat it seven days a week for yeah. three months. <laughs> yep. But whole grain bread, right. anything like that that can work. Yeah. With some protein, lean yeah. protein. And it's nice to see there are a lot of um, there are a lot of places now springing up that are doing um, uh, really healthful diets either in restaurants or um, local artisans making breads and things out of real whole grains right. that are, you know, minimal processing that seems mm -hmm. to be a little bit better for us. Mm -hmm. That tends to be the common thread in all of the, uh, you know, the celebrity diets, those kind of things. Uh, they're trying to avoid processed foods, and that's mm -hmm. a good thing. Mm -hmm. You know, too many processed foods will have high, usually high sugar, mm -hmm. high sodium, and maybe a lot of saturated or trans fat. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, processed foods are not not the best and that started right after world war ii oh yeah yeah where more processed foods more cans, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. more women were going to work they, mm -hmm. you know they wanted something easy tv dinners tv dinners <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, remember I remember those that. banquet chicken mm -hmm. tv dinners yep everything yep. really easy yeah um 
but now they have things like the Instapot, and you can, you know, or Crockpots, and you can, you can make things. And that, those are great. Yeah. Those are really good. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that um, we get a chance to talk again in the future, because I know there, there's some other topics I would like to explore a little more, especially uh, when it comes to diet and meal preparation and really maybe getting a little deeper into um, some of the things out there that, that people could be exploring for, for health reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd love to have you back. Maybe getting into micronutrients like vitamins and minerals. Yes. And, and I heard, I heard something kind of about uh, sprouting broccoli seeds. So sulforaphane was, was coming up as okay. uh, something that was um, I, I, from another podcast. Uh, uh, this particular um, person is really big on sprouting her own um, uh, her own sprouts, uh, especially from broccoli seeds, and throwing them in shakes and um, broccoli getting, seeds. Or mm-hmm. yeah, the uh, uh, sp- you know sprouts, I guess. So you you, oh, you buy I the see. broccoli uh-huh. seed and you sprout them, so they're little okay. sprouts. And then um, to get the sulforaphane out of the uh, sprout, um, you have to break it and mash it. So you eat it or crunch it, put it in a shake, uh, and if it's given a little bit of heat. Uh, it releases some percentage of more that your body can absorb. I don't know. It, again, not totally into it, but it, uh-huh, uh-huh. it seems like there's a lot of these micronutrient kind of topics out there kind of floating around where people are trying, you know, a little bit of turmeric and a little bit of garlic and then these broccoli seeds and we're yeah, mixing all this stuff in. That's right. That's right. A lot of things. So I'd be more than happy to talk about those. Yeah. That's, yeah. Well, that's yeah. great. Well, okay. I'm, I'm glad we finally got to sit down and chat. I know we've well, been thanks. trying for a this little was bit. Fun. I know you're extremely busy and hard to get a hold of, so I really appreciate you you being able to oh, spend some time. Fun. It was fun. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, um, thanks for coming. And what we're going to do is we're going to post all the links and um, uh, that we that we need to uh, in the site, okay. so that people can find the websites, as like the this uh, Science Daily and the um, Nutrition for Dummies, things mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. and then. Um, Hopefully, we're going to schedule you back again and maybe get a little bit more to. into micronutrients. Mm-hmm. Terrific. Really good. Well, thank you Thanks, very much. Steve. Thanks, Steve. You bet. All righty. Bye.